Thank you so much, all of you, all of you. Good to see you. Good to, as Pastor Michael said, it's just good to be around live people. Uh, I just want to run and hug everybody, but I know that we can't. So, but I'm just so thankful for you uh, being here today. Thank you for all of those uh, who are viewing online and uh, Pastor uh, Michael and Amanda. Uh, we love you. Our family loves you. Our church loves you. You guys have been uh, so instrumental in our journey and uh, in, in the launch of uh, Discover Church and just your friendship. You're, again, you said it. You took my words. Just some of uh, the most fav my favorite people to to be around. So, uh, and I just want to tell you, if you ever came to my house, you could just go right into the refrigerator. You could grab a sandwich. Like that's the kind of friendships uh, uh, that, that that I have with you all. And uh, just so grateful uh, for the honor. Uh, to be here today. Um, I also want to thank you for uh, your team. Your team is amazing. I just feel like it's just one big extended family. So I'm just your cousins of just about a, an hour north of you. So thank you all for what you do. Thank you, church, uh, for your generosity. Uh, it's just been such a blessing uh, to be connected. How many of you, uh, real quick, I mean, obviously, if you're on, uh, if you're watching online, you're on social media, but how many of you here uh, are on social media, particularly Instagram? All right, good, good, good. Well, they have this thing, I don't know if you've seen it, they've, they have this thing where they post uh, two pictures, and one of them, and it has a caption, and it says, this is how it started, and, uh, and then this is how it's going. Has any of you seen any of this stuff? Anybody? No? Yes? Well, I'm going to show you anyway. So, so I want to show you this. Let me see. Let's try this right. There we go. This is how we started as West Park Church in 2016. And um, like I said, I think now it's probably about a year and a half ago that I uh, met Pastor Michael and uh, started telling him about the dream that we had in our heart for, for our church and for our city. But, but when I met him, this is how it started. When I met you guys, this is how it started. And right before COVID, that's what it ended. That's what it was doing. So, so I'm just so grateful. And um, you ought to, again, give yourselves a round of applause because it was your generosity, uh, your open-handedness to help us to realize the dream that we, uh, that we had uh, for our city. And when we launched, we, over the first two weeks, well, the first week we had 450 people uh, show up. Uh, 47 people gave their lives to Christ in the first two weeks. Almost 60 people gave their lives to Christ. Uh, it was just an amazing journey. So, um, so thank you. So you, you did it. You did it. And, and we're pretty excited about what's happening here. So, so um, I've got to talk to you uh, about, uh, so obviously I'm closing out this series, All That Matters, and uh, so grateful to have the opportunity to do that. And, and so the first week, uh, I believe that uh, Pastor Michael led uh, this series, and he talked about the lost sheep. And if you notice in the story of the lost sheep, there was this shepherd that actually went after the one. Uh, then in week two, he talked about the lost coin. And even in that story, the owner of the coin went and turned the light on, started sweeping the house to try to find the lost coin because it, it had some value. And so today I want to talk to you about a very familiar story, and that is the story of the lost son. And in the story of the lost son, it's actually something that you and I have to do. And it's one of the most recognizable stories, not just in Scripture, but in all of literature. You don't even have to be a believer. You don't even have to be a Christian, but you know the story of the lost son. 
And if you've heard it before, I want to pull out for you as I begin to read and study this passage of Scripture, I found six keys that I think would help us uh, in this particular situation. Now, here's what I mean, is that the lost son is a story of a, a, a man, a person. It's the story of you and I. It's, it's our story of how we have this longing inside of us and, and for Many of us, I, I know that you believe that in spite of everything that's going on, that you're, you, you believe deep down in your heart or somewhere in the recesses of your spirit and your soul, you really believe that there's got to be more. Like, it's, it has to be better than what I'm experiencing right now. Is, it, is there anybody here that believes that and, and feels that and senses that in their lives? That, well, I want to tell you that, that God is the one who put that longing in you. It comes from God. But like the son in the story, in the, in the lost son story, we find that sometimes that longing, we don't realize that it comes from God. And so we try to find those long, to fulfill those longings in places that are outside of God's parameter. And so what they end up doing is that they end up taking us to places that we never intended to go. And so, yes, the longings are what God puts in us. It's a desire for something more. It's a desire for something that is bigger than ourselves. It's a desire for something that will outlast us all. You ought to be paying attention. Longing is not wrong. Longing comes from God. And so what I want to do is share this story with you. And if you're in that place where you're feeling like, you know what, there's got to be more. Like, like, if you found that, you know what, and because of all that's going on with the, with the pandemic, with the elections, with regardless of how you feel about the election, whether you're liberal or conservative, regardless of that, regardless of the racial tension, with, like, it's just so much, so many things that are happening on the outside. And it's honestly, if, if I can be honest with you, it's been exhausting. And some, and I, you know what, and sometimes I feel like that I am, there is a distance between where I am and where God is. But, but there's still this longing for me to, for deeper connection. And so I want to help you to discover that today if there's anyone in here like that. So in, in, Matt, in Luke, excuse me, in Luke chapter 15, verses 11 to 24, again, is this story that Jesus is telling. And Jesus wastes no time getting right into the, the crux of this story. And so what you'll see is that Jesus, he says, Jesus, again, he's telling the story. He told the story of the, the lost sheep. He tells the story of the lost coin. And now he goes in and he tells the story about the lost son. It says, Jesus continued. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. And he says, the younger son... The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. And he says, so he divided his property between them. I need you to understand that in Middle Eastern culture, the, the family makeup was that, that you, the son would stay with the family until either he got married and began to start his own family or when the father passed away that he would receive his inheritance. Or when the father was old, he would stay with part of the family and he would help to establish the family. He would help to care for the family. He, he was just there. It's not like what we do here now. So for me, I've got, I've got two terrorists, I mean teenagers. I've got two teenagers, excuse me. So, so and, 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 and my son, when, it, I, listen, I promise you, like, I love my family, but, but the reality is, is when I, and I told my son, I said, man, you know, when you graduate from school, on one hand, I'm going to celebrate you and tell you, man, you've been great and it's been a pleasure, but on the other hand, I'm going to have your bags packed up so that you can get out of here. 
See, when I, when I left for college, I left when I was 17 years old, and I never, ever returned home. Like, that was the makeup of our family. It was like, look, man, you've been here long enough. We've handled our responsibility. Like, you're on your own now. And so I was like, listen, man, like, you got to get out of here. <laughs> I need some peace in my home. I don't know if any of you felt this way before, but, but, but that's not the way that it, it was uh, in the middle, in Jesus' time. That, that wasn't culture. That, that wasn't the makeup. You, you stay with your family forever. And, and I got to experience this when I was in the Middle East. I was in Palestine. I was in Israel. And, and I got to saw the makeup of, of the family. And you can see all of this, particularly in the book of Genesis, just how families were made to be together. And what happened was this because this was the norm, it was a significant diss or it was a significant insult to the father for a son, even the younger son, because the older son is the one that was supposed to get the blessing, but the younger son comes to the father and he insults him and basically says, give me my inheritance. It's basically as if he said, father, I don't care if you live or die. I want what's coming to me. Give it to me now, I really don't care what's going on in your life. Can you feel the tension in that story? But the father, he continues uh, to, uh, he, there we go. And so here's my first point, I'm sorry. So we'll get right into the point. Like I said, Jesus doesn't waste any time with this. And so here's the thing. You may want to write this down. We are always headed for trouble when we value things over people. Like, like you will end up in trouble when you value things over people. You will start treating people very differently when you value the stuff more than you value people. So before you think and before you start to imagine how ungrateful and how selfish this kid is, I want to know if you would ever consider that maybe this son said out loud what we quietly whisper to ourselves. You know, I'm in this relationship with God, but give me what I have coming to me. I don't care if you're real. I don't care if we're close. I don't care what happens. Just give me what's coming to me. I wonder if we whisper to ourselves what this boy says out loud. I want you to think about that for a minute. We've got to guard our heart. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 12, verse, verse 15, he says, guard your heart from all kinds of evil. He tells us to guard our heart. Why? Because, listen, you will, as long as you have greed in your heart, you will never, ever be satisfied. In fact, I'll say it this way. A dissatisfied heart will always lead to a disappointing life. Always. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. A dissatisfied heart will always lead to a disappointing life. You will never, ever be satisfied. Can I continue on with the story? Awesome. So let's continue on. So Jesus is amazing. He goes, he, he start, so he says in verse uh, 13, he says, not long after that, he says, the younger son got together all he had, and he set off to a distant country. And there he squandered his wealth in wild living. Like many of us, the son was convinced that he had to leave his father's house in order for that longing to be fulfilled. 
Many of us, we, we look at our current situations and we, and we think that we've got to walk away from God in order for our longings, in order for our fulfillment to be accomplished. Do you hear what I'm saying this morning? And so listen, I need you to understand. Let's continue to, to read. I'm going to go on. And he says, after he had spent everything, this is what happens. We, we squander our marriages. We squander our relationships. We squander our, our parenthood or our, our watch, uh, living and, and leading our children, leading our families. We squander our job. We squander opportunities and wild living. And look at this. And let me just say, it says, it says, after he spent everything, let me tell you, he had one heck of a weekend. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. You ought, to, you ought to put it right in the chat and just say amen. Somebody say amen or give me a fist pump or something, right? So he had one heck of a weekend. And he says, and, and there was a, a severe famine uh, in that whole country, and he began to be in need, which brings me to my second point. I need you to understand that is a, the distant country is not just a place. It is a condition of our heart. I hope you catch this. It's not just a distant place. It's the condition of our heart. And many of us, we wander off. We, we, we leave our father in search of the good life. And so, again, we squander our opportunities. We waste our opportunities because we live reckless. Like I said, it's one, he has one heck of a weekend. Let's call it for what it is. You know what it is? It's sin. It, that's exactly what It's sin. And so what happens with sin and what happens with this idea of trying to live the good life by fulfilling the longing that we have inside of us, it's, it's, it's like the enemy. You know what he does? He crops photos. And so we lose sight of what happens because he looks at you. You'll look at the picture and we think, oh, my gosh, that's what I really want. But you don't realize that he cropped out all the disaster. He, he crops out all of the things that, that we think are in our plans. So you ever, you know, back in the day, see, I'm old enough to remember, you know, that you still had to film. And if you didn't, if you had an argument or, or you, 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 you broke up with somebody, how you would just tear the picture and tear that person out the picture. I still remember that. And so now you ever see on, on social media when somebody posts a picture and you're like, man, why is their, you know, left arm off? You know, so they crop somebody out because, they, you know, this is the good side on picture and I don't want this person to be in, but you got all this space on the other side. Well, that's what happens with sin. You see, the devil, kind of like with this son, when he, he thought that wild living was going to produce for him what he was looking for, but the devil crops out. And he, in that picture, he shows us freedom, but he crops out slavery. He, he, he shows you and promises you success, but he crops out the failure that comes with it. He shows you this life that you're going to live, but he crops out the wages of sin or death. Oh, do you hear what I'm saying this morning? Like, this is what the enemy does, and so he, he loses everything, and then he comes to a place where now that not only did he spend everything, but now there's a famine that is in the land, and now it's like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do now? I'll tell you, in verse 15, he says this, he says, so he went and he hired himself out to, the, to, to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. Let's keep going. And he says he longed, there's that longing again, that desire that comes from God. He's trying to fill it another way. He says, so he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. 
You see the significance of this? This was a young Jewish man. They, they didn't associate with eating pork. <laughs> and so here's my third point you may want to write down. It says, when you go to a distant country, when you go far away from God, you are forced to do for a stranger what you would never have to do for your father. Come on, you got to catch this. I'm, I'm preaching better than you're responding this morning. I, I, I feel this thing. So, so I need you to understand is that he had this longing and he's, he's got this feeling and he's chasing something that he knows that my life is supposed to be more than this. And, and he realizes that he's never going to be fully satisfied because he walked away from his father. So the lost son, he's feeling this thing and he's recognizing now that this longing that he had in his life, this longing that he had in his heart, this longing to be something greater, he's starting to realize that it was always there in front of him. And for us, sometimes we forget that what we have is staring right in front of us. But because we desire and we don't value what we have, we often overlook the blessings that are right in our face. And so he walked away and he was searching for a replacement. And let me tell you this, is that many of us, the things that we're searching for, they're only a replacement. They're only an imitation of what we're trying to recreate in our relationship with Jesus. And so here's what happens. When God is out of our lives, the enjoyment that we think we have ends up becoming enslavement. How many of you have been burdened? by some things, you, you've made some decisions, you've prayed some prayers, you, you, you've searched for some things only to grab it to realize that it has put you in bondage. I'm the only one here this morning. I'm the only one here in, uh, online. Just, just give me a thumbs up online if you're watching. Listen, it becomes enslavement. You become in bond, you become in bondage. And then what happens is now you're sitting there and you're like, oh my gosh, what do I do? You're going to do what the lost son did. And here's what it says here in the next version of the scripture. He says, when he came to his senses, because he realized that the life he wanted now had become the life that he hated. You ever pray, you know, hey, God, I want to be married so bad. I want to be in a relationship so bad. You pray for it, and then the person just comes. It's not somebody that God sent. The person just comes, and now you're like, oh, my God, Father, send them away. Send them away. Send them away. It's the things that you wanted, the things that you desire so much that you're willing to overlook um, roadblocks. You're, over, you're willing to overlook or, and speed through uh, speed bumps. You're willing to go through those things because it's the thing that you want. And when you obtain it, it's like, oh, my gosh, I didn't really want this. I didn't know what I was thinking about. That happened for me in, in my job. I, I wanted to be a, a branch director so bad that I would get up in the morning and I would pray and I would dream about my name tag being on the door. I would dream about the bookshelf and the leather chairs and the desk that I would have because I wanted to run that whole branch. And I didn't really know what I was praying for. And thank God that he intervened. And thank God he allowed me to come to my senses because the job that I have now, the job that I have now, it, it allowed me to be a part of my children and my family's life uh, in the most crucial times of their lives. But I never saw that. I would have had to work more hours, but now it gave me the opportunity to work from home. You don't hear what I'm saying. And so what is it? He comes to his senses and he said, how many of my father's higher servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. You know what? He hit rock bottom. And, and guess what? When you hit rock bottom, 
it has a way of making you reevaluate your situation. Let's continue reading. And he says, I will set out. In other words, he was determined now. He says, and I'll go back. In other words, I'm going to leave where I am right now. I'm, I'm going to leave. I'm going to make a difference to, to my father. And I will say to him, he's going to make a confession. Father, I have sinned against heaven and I have sinned against you. So here's my fourth point. Is that hardships lead to reflection and reflections lead to repentance. You got to catch this. So he, he assesses himself. He, he takes inventory because when you take inventory because you've hit rock bottom, it's funny how rock bottom helps you see things more clearly. <laughs> see, he, he, he realizes his, his disappointment and now he has this remorse and, and he's, he's like, you know what? I think I need to start over. And some of you right now are, are like, you know what? I just need an opportunity so that I can start over. But see, here's the thing. He wanted to start over and go back to the place where he was, but I tell you that when you start over, God has a better place for you. He doesn't want you to go back to where you were just before the pandemic, just before you made the mistake, just before you made that decision, just before you walked away. He doesn't want you to go, he's got a better place for you. Amen. Come on, I need you to hear this. He's got better plans for you. And look at what the scripture says in 2 Corinthians. It says, godly sorrow. Godly sorrow brings repentance. In other words, see, it's, it's, it's reflection brings about repentance because repentance, in order for you to repent, what happens when you hit rock bottom, you start to reevaluate, you start having regrets. But God doesn't want you to stay in regret. Regret is just a starting point to get you moving in a different direction. So repentance, what he wants you to do, he, see, he said, his sorrow brings, it, it moves you towards repentance and repentance reestablishes your relationship with God. See, repentance, and here's the problem. We have lost the true meaning of repentance. I don't want to go off on a tangent here, but repentance has been reduced to feelings. In other words, it's been reduced to, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. It's been, because, but here's the thing. You can feel guilty. You can feel bad. You can wish that things were different, but you can still not be repentant. And let me tell you why. Because repentance is not about feelings. It's about movement. I'll say it this way, repentance is about motion, not emotion. In other words, repentance is about, I recognize that what I did was wrong, I recognize that the direction that I'm going is wrong, and I'm going to turn around, and I'm going to do a 180, and I'm going to go in God's direction because I realized the way that I was going, the way that I was trying to accomplish, uh, the longings and fulfillment, I've been going the wrong way, so now I realize I'm not doing this anymore, and I'm going to go in God's direction. Repentance is about motion, not emotion. Come on, somebody. And listen, and let's continue reading. And Luke, he says, I am no longer worthy. This is so powerful, and I want you to get this. He says, I, the son is saying, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. He's connecting. And he says, make me like one of your hired servants. This is like this. He's like, this is what I'm going to say to my father when I, when I get into his presence. In verse 20, he says, so he got up. Again, look at this. This is repentance. He got up, and he went. I'm going to go do something to his father, but while he was still a long way off, which is point five, when you take a step toward God, he's like, I'm heading home. <laughs> but I can imagine that he's thinking about what the reaction is going to be. I, I got to imagine that he's thinking about the reaction from his father. 
the reaction from his brother, the reaction, like, if I can just get a job as a hired servant, I, I wonder what they're going to be saying. Because you have to realize he humiliated his father in the worst possible way. And some of you right now are thinking, you know what? I wonder what God is saying about the stuff that I'm doing, about the stuff that I did. I realize that I need to repent and I need to go back home. I need to reconnect with my father. But, but I wonder what he's saying. I wonder if I get back around people, are they going to take an opportunity to bring it back up in my face again? I, I wonder what that looks like. So let's continue reading the story. This is so powerful. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. Oh, this is so powerful. And was filled with compassion for him. And then he ran to his son. You, oh, you missed I, I have to use my, my, my imagination. I got to believe that every morning the father got up and he picked up his phone. And he just looked at a te- for a text message to see if his son had texted him and said, hey, dad. I, I got to believe that when the father went out on the patio and grilled and maybe he, he turned the grill to, the, to you know, catty cornered on the deck so, so he can pretend that he was re- wasn't really looking at his son, but, but he was looking down the road that his son would come down. I got to believe that there was something that was in the father that, that, was, that was somehow looking for his son regardless of what he had been through. I got to believe that if he, if he was sitting down reading the magazine, he just, you know, just kind of looking. He may, he may have even taken a little longer while he went out to, I know we don't do this anymore, while he went out and got the newspaper and probably just, you know, just stood there a little long, just longer, just hoping that his son would be there. Because no father wants to lose a son. No father wants to lose a daughter. No father wants to lose a child. And so here's what happens. This is what My fifth point is this, is that when you take a step toward God, he will run towards you. Like, I want to cry right now because I can imagine this happening. And and so the son who who was starving and in despair and, and full of hopelessness now is about to have the biggest homecoming ever imaginable. And, and see, the father's anticipation all over again. The father's anticipation for him coming, I can't, I can just imagine that one day when he was out there grilling and he sees his son and he just leaves everything and he begins to go and run after the son. Why is this so significant? Because in Middle Eastern culture, men never, ever, ever ran. They don't run. They would have to lift up their tunic and then they would have to show their bare legs. And if they showed their bare legs in Middle Eastern culture, it was an embarrassment. It was shameful. It was, it was this, you just didn't do it. And so I don't know if you've heard this before, but there is a term in Jewish culture called kizaza. And that word means cutting off. And what it means is if a son would lose his inheritance by living wild, he would be cut off from the community. In fact, if he tried to re-engage with the community, they would take these pots with these burnt beans and, and they would break the glass in front of the community, in front of the city. They would break the glass and they would say, so-and-so is cut off and is not able to return. I need you to see this. 
And so why did the father run? Do you know why I believe that the father ran? I believe that the father ran to meet the son so that he could prevent him from experiencing the shame and the embarrassment for what he'd done. The father ran to him to cover him and said, you know what? There will not be any kazaza here. There will not be any shame and embarrassment here. This is my son. I'm covering him. Do you see what I'm saying? And in verse 21, it continue, we'll continue to read. He says, the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. He says, I am no longer worthy. We're going to talk about that, to be called your son. And he goes on, he says, but the father said to his servant, he basically told the son, shut up, <laughs> be quiet. And he calls his son, he says, you know what, give him the best robe because the robe says, you know what, you're, you're, you're home now. You're back in my home and there's no more striving at home. Like, you're my son. He says, he goes on, he says, and, and he put it on him and he says, I put on this ring, which means that I'm giving him authority and security. There's nothing that you need to worry about again. And he says, put that on his finger and the sandals on his feet because servants and slaves never wore shoes in the owner's house. So the sandals meant that you're my son. You're back in my family. And he goes on and he says, uh, bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and let's celebrate. Why does he want to celebrate? Because for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. So my point number six is this, and you'll see that. You saw it in the story, is that your value, your, excuse me, your worth, your value, and your identity don't come from what you did. You see, he said that I'm not worthy. I, I'm not worthy enough to be your son. And so what happens is sometimes when we get caught up in sin, when we get caught up away from God, we start to identify with the things that we did wrong. And what I'm telling you is that your value does not, your worth, your identity does not come from what you did, but it comes from what God did. And God is running to you right now. If you're watching online, God is running to you right now because he wants to cover you. He wants to restore your identity, restore your worth, and restore your value. The son's opinion of himself could not connect to the new reality. And I'm sure that many of you felt that way, and maybe you feel that way right now. But for what it's worth, I understand it's, it's hard to let go. But you serve a God who covers us. We serve a God who is waiting to run toward us. So I want to show you the perfect example of what it looks like when God runs to us. I've got a three-minute video that I want to share with you. And let me set up the scene for you. I believe it's the 1992 Barcelona Olympics. It's a gentleman by the name of Derek Redmond. He was, pr he was probably the uh, favorite to win a gold medal, and I believe it was the 400 or 200-meter race. And something tragically happens on that race. He has a challenge. He has some difficulty. Just like many of us, we've got a race, and we're the favorite. But sometimes, because of that longing, we'll, 
go off and we'll try to find it and fulfill it somewhere else. But in the same way that this father takes care of his son is the same way that God takes care of us. Many of us have been injured on this journey in life. God just wants to run towards you, but he's waiting for you to take a step towards him. In fact, I don't know if you saw it in the video, but the father kind of did like this. And it just reminded me of Kizaza. There's no shame. There's no embarrassment here. This is my son. I love him. This is my daughter. I love him. I love her. And so if you're watching today online, if you're here right now in the service, right now you, you've had that longing and you're wondering, why are you distant? Why are you here and why is God here? And this story is about you taking that step to reestablish your relationship with Jesus. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, wherever you are, whether you're here in the auditorium, if you're online, if you're in your bedroom, if you're in your living room, if you're making calls, just right where you are. I know it feels silly online, but, but if you're here today and you're watching today and this message resonated with you and, and, and you're having conversations in your heart right now, I'm telling you that that's God trying to say, come home. I'm, I'm waiting for you. I'm looking for you. I want to run towards you, but I need you to take that first step. And if that's you, I just want you to repeat this prayer after me and just say, Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of the living God. And I'm inviting you into my life because I know that you died for me and for my sins. I was lost, but today I want to be found. You are the God who runs, and I need you to run back into my life. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into my life, for coming into my heart. Today, I declare that I am saved, and that this day is the first day of the rest of my life. And that, my friends, is all. Come on, give God some praise this morning. God bless you. Thank you.